I'm going to miss Gary. Nobody waits on me like that at First Church. Well, good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I'm getting a ring up here, folks. In case you're wondering, Joyce pushed me down the steps, so uh, that's it. I got tendonitis in my Achilles, and so it's awful to get old and have to fight things like that, so, uh, but uh, it's doing well. Well, welcome to you. I'm glad that you are here today, and especially our guest. Thank you for choosing to worship with us. Now, I'm going to have to leave early today while Danny's praying. I've got to slip out. Joyce and I need to be in Knoxville, Tennessee for a funeral this afternoon of a dear, dear friend of ours. And so I'm going to slip outside door. We're not mad. We're just going to have to leave early. And so, uh, so you'll know why we're leaving early. Well, last Sunday was a historic day in the 177-year history of Burlington Baptist Church. And if I counted right downstairs, Harold is the 17th pastor in your 177-year history. Now, that is quite a record. That is quite a record. And uh, he will be here June the 30th to begin his ministry. So I hope that you just turn out in great numbers and welcome he and Jenny and the family. And this is an exciting time for Burlington Baptist Church and an exciting time for him. Well, I want to tell you something. You folks put him through the ringer last weekend. (laughs) Holy mackerel. I don't believe I could have stood it. I called him Monday morning and said, Harold, are you still alive? (laughs) And they were on their way to the beach, and I thought, well, that will relax him. And then he has to come back this Sunday and uh, say goodbye uh, to his church. And that is never, never easy. Can I challenge you to dedicate a time each day now to start praying for the Burlington Baptist Church in this transition and for Harold and Jeannie and the two kids during their transition as well. Can I ask you just to bathe this transition in your prayers? And uh, let's start doing that today. Pray with me. Father, we give you thanks for your constant presence. And through the seasons of constancy and even change, you are with us, calling us into deeper waters, calling us together in your spirit of unity, calling us out of ourselves into the world to serve others. Father, thank you that you've sent Harold and Jeannie to the Burlington Baptist Church. And grant that being called into these new waters, they may hold fast to your unending love and mercy as an anchor. Anchors that promise to hold us as we go where the Spirit leads us. And may Burlington Baptist Church be to Harold and Jeannie a community of mercy and grace and love. And so today, Father, we also pray for the Lancaster Baptist Church who today experience the loss of their pastor. And may they hold fast to the promise that your mission is bigger than any single pastor and bigger than any local church, and grant that such a promise would bring them comfort during their time of transition. Father, strengthen Burlington Baptist Church to be your church and the kind of church that you want during this transition and at all times and all seasons of its life. May Burlington Baptist Church be a place where all are truly welcomed and embraced in love and a place 
where we find ways you are active among us and calling us to join you in your saving work and a place where the story of your love and grace and mercy are embodied. And so, Father, we offer this prayer for Jeannie and Harold and the Burlington Baptist Church. And now, Father, I pray that you would pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. We don't like change. Let's just admit it. We don't like change. Burlington Baptist Church is getting ready to welcome a new pastor and all the changes that come with calling a new pastor. So let's talk about that today. How do we cope with change? How do you cope with the change that comes when you call a new pastor? Now, there are all kinds of (laughs) jokes out there about change. And I, I found something that's really funny that's going to make every denomination that's represented here angry. It's going to insult all of you. So if you want to write me a letter, what are you going to do? Fire me, you know? Next Sunday is my last Sunday. So if you want to write me a letter, send it to Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's the only address you need. Remember when he used to say that? How many church members does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) Are there any charismatics in the crowd? How many charismatics? Only one. Their hands are already in the air. Any Pentecostals? Takes ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. Are there any Presbyterians here? None, because the lights will go on off at predestined times. How many Roman Catholics? None. Candles only. Are there any Episcopalians here? We had a whole group of Episcopalians join First Church, and they became great church members. But I used to kid them about this all the time. Listen to this. How many Episcopalians? Three. One to call the electrician, one to mix the drinks, and one to talk about how much better the old one was. (laughs) How many Amish? What's a light bulb? If you know Christian churches and churches of Christ, you know this one. How many Christian churches and churches of Christ does it take to change a light bulb? (laughs) None. We do not believe in change. (laughs) And besides, my grandmother bought that light bulb. (laughs) Now, you Southern Baptists, hold on. I'm going to insult you. I hope I can get through this. (laughs) How many many Southern Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? 109. Seven on the light bulb task force subcommittee. (laughs) You've been Baptist for a long time, I can tell. Who report to the 12 on the light bulb task force committee appointed by the 15 on the board of trustees. Their recommendation is reviewed by the finance executive committee of five who place it on the agenda of the 18 member finance committee. If they approve, (laughs) if if they approve, 
they bring the motion to the 27-member church board who appoint another 12 committee to review. If they recommend that the church board proceed, a resolution is brought to the congregational business meeting. You're going to have one tonight. Happy, happy, happy. (laughs) And (laughs) they appoint another eight-member review committee. If their report to the next congregational business meeting supports the changing of a light bulb, and the congregation (laughs) votes in favor, the responsibility to carry out the light bulb change is passed on to the trustee board, who in turn (laughs) appoint another seven-member committee to find the best price for the light bulbs. (laughs) Is it as bad as this? It is, isn't it? There... (laughs) Their recommendation of which hardware is the best buy must then be reviewed by another 23-member committee. They report back to the trustee board who then commissioned the trustee in charge of the janitor to ask him to make the change. (laughs) By then, the janitor discovers that another light bulb is burned out. Oh, I hope you can laugh at that. (laughs) Burlington Baptist Church in her 177 years of ministry has constantly changed. Changing programs, changing schedules, changing methods, changing styles of worship, not just for the sake of change, but for the sake of reaching more people for Jesus Christ. Change has always been a way of life for you, and you are much better at handling change than you believe you are. Now you're coming to a new transition, the beginning of the Harold Best era. So the important question this morning is this, how are you going to respond to the newest change of a new pastor who will initiate some changes? Now listen, Harold is a very bright man. He is an experienced pastor. He's not going to come in here and turn the basket upside down immediately and change everything. But eventually, he will want to initiate some changes. So how are you going to respond to the changes? Now, notice I said respond, not react. Uh, A mature person responds reasonably. An immature person responds unreasonably. Now, folks, we are living in an age of unprecedented change. Change is coming as fast as us as water out of a fire hose. And the pace of life has gotten so fast, and it just changes constantly. James Gellick, in his book, Faster, says this, The one quality that defines our modern technology age is acceleration. Is that true or what? We've become a quick, reflex, channel-flipping, fast-forward people. Reminds me of the fellow who's mowing his yard. His neighbor comes out, he goes to the mailbox, looks in, he slams it shut, storms back in the house. About 15 minutes later, he comes out again. He goes to the mailbox, looks in, slams it, runs back in the house. Third time he comes out, 
He looks in the mailbox, slams it shut. By this time, his neighbor is really curious. He walks over to him and he says, man, is there something wrong? He said, there certainly is. There certainly is. That dumb computer of mine keeps saying, you've got mail, you've got mail. (laughs) Everything seems to be fast forward today. And it seems like everything is just flying off the walls and coming unglued. And during this hurricane of change and blowing in our lives, do we need something that doesn't change? Boy, our county is going through the greatest change that I have ever seen in the 47 years that I have lived here. We should now call it Amazon County because Amazon is changing our county Uh, And I've never seen such changes in the 47 years that I've lived here. And I've seen a great deal of change in the 47 years that I have lived here. So how do we handle this? We've got to be able to say, I know a lot of things are going to change around me. And I know these things are sure. I can count on these. There are certain truths in the midst of change that I can count on. So is there anything in this world that we can count on during this this? island of change is there anything stability that we can count on i want you to remember two truths this morning two bible truths that that during all the changes that we go through personally and all the change the church is going through all the changes going even in our county and in our society two truths number one remember god never changes remember god never changes what does the greatest thy faith will say thou changest not thy compassions they fail not God never changes. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord and I do not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God will always be the same. Now, why doesn't God ever change? Is it that he can't? Is it that he doesn't want to? Is he just so stubborn and set in his ways that he don't change? Why does God never change? Because God's perfect. He is perfect. And because he's perfect, he can't get any better. And because he's perfect, he can't get any worse. And if you're perfect, there is no reason to change. And all the husbands said amen. And all the wives said baloney. I want you to remember this truth. God never changes. Amongst all that's going on. Second truth you can hold on to. God's word never changes. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Now, folks, the principles in this book will never change no matter how culture changes. The principles in this book are timeless. The principles in this book are eternal. The principles in this book never change wither. They are always fresh. It doesn't change. It doesn't get stale. God's word is never out of date. Amen. When, when the, the American astronaut Alan Shepard was going up into space for the first time, a reporter asked him, what are you depending on in this flight? And Shepard's answer was classic. It was classic. He said, I'm depending on the fact That God's laws do not change. 
You see, God's principles never change. Now, what would happen if gravity worked this morning and it didn't work tonight? What if it worked tomorrow and it didn't work the day after? Well, we would live in a world of chaos. See, in the same way, God has established moral and spiritual laws for us to live by. And no matter how cultural changes, these moral laws and principles do not change. God has set borders in this book. And if we break those borders, they break us. And it causes stress and it causes worry and guilt and anger and conflict in relationships when we break the borders of this book. Now, our world is constantly changing, but we can build our life up on what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it has its foundations on the rock. And the foundations that we are built on is that God himself never changes and God's word never changes. Now, let's get a little more practical. Realize change is an opportunity for growth. Realize that change is an opportunity for growth. Learn to view change as an opportunity to grow. And growth means that more people will be saved. Now let me talk to those of you who are my generation. I realize only too well that we older people, the older we get, the harder it is for us to change and the harder it is for us to grow. But folks, if no matter our age, if we do not grow, we die. And no matter how old we are, there is always room for growth intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. I try to learn something new every day so that I will stay intellectually alive. Now, there are lessons that we can learn from every change in our life, and we can learn them. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, I've learned the secret. The secret of what, Paul? So that anywhere, at any time, I am content, whether I am full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power Christ gives me. Now, look at the word learned. Paul said, I have learned the secret of change. And adapting to change is learned. And Paul says that we need to learn how to adapt to change. Folks, there is no growth whatsoever without change. There's not. But also on the back of that you need to know, there is no change without pain. There is no change without loss. You always have to give up something to gain something new. So how do we grow from change? First of all, you need to write these down. Put them on your refrigerator so you'll remember them. Don't fight change. Don't fight it. 
Don't fight it. That's easier said than done because the natural tendency is to protect what we know and value and to protect what has become familiar with us. Now, I'm not going to be mean when I say this. I'm just going to be honest. And I said this to First Church when I left there, and I'll say it to you. Burlington Baptist will change with or without you. So don't fight it. Don't fight it. Fighting and refusing to recognize change are natural reactions. They just really are. Remember Cindy Harris? He used to write a lot of good editorials. He said this. He said, our dilemma is that we hate change and love it at the same time. What we want is for things to remain the same but get better. <laughs> and they can't remain the same. So don't fight change. To adapt to change is common sense. But Will Rogers said, just because it's common sense doesn't mean it's common practice. So how can we grow during this time of change? Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Now the next one is a little more personal. You don't have to like all the changes. You don't have to agree with them, and you don't have to like them. In the 38 years that I was at First Church, I didn't like all the changes that we went through. I didn't. I didn't. I counted up in the 38 years that I was there, we made over 25 major, major changes to the ministry. And we did it not just to change, but we did it so that we could reach more people for Jesus. I didn't like all of them, but they were necessary if we were going to continue to grow and reach more people for Jesus. So you don't have to agree with all the changes or like them, but here's the deal. Here's how you approach them. When it comes to change, don't take an emotional approach to change. Take an intellectual approach to change, to understand change and adjust, adjust to it and to grow with the change. And I'll tell you what my grandmother used to tell me. She said, son, life is not always about liking. Hmm. Did your, grand, your folks ever say about that? It's not always about liking, son. It's just getting on with it. Amen? Amen. So you, you don't have to like to change. But here's the thing. You, you, you must anticipate, recognize, and understand that change is an opportunity for you to grow personally and for Burlington Baptist Church to grow. Now, if Burlington Baptist Church is going to be an effective church. You've got to know a whole lot about how culture is changing, how society is changing. You need to be a student of culture and then adapt the methods to reach that culture. Now, listen to me. I did not say change this. I did not say change the message of this book. The gospel will always be the same. This book never changes. But folks, our methods of ministry must always be changing or we will not have people to preach to. They will not listen to us. We cannot do church like we did in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. We can't do that. When Joyce and I graduated from college, it was just... <laughs> I can't say a bad word in the pulpit, can I? 
It was just Joyce and I and the King James Version. Have you ever run a mimeograph machine? And any of you had to use a mimeograph? They'll send your soul to hell. <laughs> they really will. Mine was so nasty I had to wear a raincoat to run the church bulletin on, Sunday, on Saturday. And that's all it was. But my word, you can't do that now. We are such a technical age. So, folks, we have to, we have to realize what's going on around us. And then come up with methods to reach our culture. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So how do we use change for the opportunity to grow? Don't fight it. You don't have to like all the changes or agree with them. But don't approach it from an emotional standpoint. Approach it from an intellectual standpoint. And then be willing to let go of the past. Whoa, this is hard. Handling change and getting control of our life only comes when we're willing to let go. To let go of old ideas. To let go of old concepts, old attitudes. And I know this is tough. Even to let go of former pastors that we loved dearly. Only then is there room for new successful ideas. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Philippians 3. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Look at the screen. Let me sum it up this way. Respect your past. Burlington Baptist Church has a storied past of 177 years of faithful ministry in this county. Respect that. It's a great past. But now it's time to focus on the future. Because the Harold Best error is here, is here. Isaiah 43 says, Do not dwell on the past. Since I'm doing a new thing, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Folks, don't embalm the past of Burlington Baptist Church. When you do that, you make it into a museum. And we don't gather on Sunday morning just to dust off the artifacts of a museum. No, 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 no. It's kinds of churches. And there have been some churches that we drive away and Joyce said, you know what that church needs? I said, no. She says it needs a tombstone in front of it because it's dead. Because it is dead. Why? Why? Because they were not willing. It's a museum. And, and they come to church to dust off the artifacts rather than think about how we can reach our culture for Jesus. Now, I'm getting pretty close. As my grandma used to say, I'm plowing pretty close to the corn this morning, so, so hang on with me. See, one church member said this. I got this. It was so funny. I heard Warren Wearsby say this, and I just cackled out laughing. He said that one fellow said, it is such a relief to come to church, preacher, where nothing has changed in 30 years. How would you like to go to that church? How would you feel? Don't you feel sorry for that preacher? See, folks, we have to be willing to move on from the past. As glorious as it was, and as good as it was, we have to move on from the past. Leon Markell wrote a book called Mastering Change, The Key to Business Success. And in that book, 
he describes some of the traps that keeps us from changing in order to grow. And one of them was this, believing that yesterday's methods still work today. They don't. They don't. As a church, you have to develop a constant flow of new solutions to reach people for Jesus Christ in a culture that is changing just like that overnight. All right, let's do a little review. How can we use change as an opportunity to grow? Don't fight it. It's going to happen with or without you. You don't have to like it, but approach it from an intellectual standpoint. That this is what's best rather than getting your emotions all caught up in it. And then be willing to let go of the past and move on. Now, if you know me real well, you, know, you, you will understand the sec- the, this one. Have a sense of humor. Come on, people. Lighten up. Lighten up. Have a sense of humor. Look what Proverbs says. A happy heart is like good medicine, but a broken spirit drains your strength. Amen. Amen. You see, when things are changing all around you, I hope that you'll have a sense of humor because that keeps us balanced. Humor helps to relieve the pain of change. And when I'm teaching my preacher boys how to preach, I tell them if you can use humor, if you're good at it, if you're not good at it, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll just make a mm of yourself, so don't do it. A good sense of humor sustains us when things become difficult. And here is the term that I use for them. Humor gives everybody a momentary emotional vacation, right? So that we can recharge and get on. Now, I am not saying that humor makes problems trivial. It does not. What it does, it puts circumstances in perspective. Sometimes dangerous, overwhelming, perplexing circumstances in humor. President Reagan, God bless his memory, was one of the most experts at human hu- using humor that I have ever seen. I get online and listen to his humor. They put it, on, they, they put it all on a clip, and you could just... He was marvelous at diffusing a bad situation with humor. And uh, when he was shot, here he was, close to death. He was closer to death than the press let us know. He really was. And here the surgeon uh, was getting ready to do surgery and trying to save his life. And he was really in bad shape. And the president, Reagan, said, you know what the president said to the surgeon? He said, I hope you're a Republican. That's right. He (laughs) said, I hope you're a Republican. Right in a bad situation. Remember what the surgeon said to him? Mr. President, today all of us are Republicans. Mm, mm. A sense of humor in a time of change will act as an emotional safety valve. Research has shown that people and organizations rarely succeed unless there is some fun and humor in that organization. Josh and I went to Virginia. I preached in a church. I don't think there'd ever been any laughter inside those walls. I really don't. And you know me. I did some humor, and it went right there. I mean, it died. Well, I went back again, and that time I did not use any humor. I just preached hellfire and damnation, and they were happy. 
you know. You know, preachers take themselves entirely too serious. They do. They, hey, hallelujah. <laughs> That's right. They do. I get around some preachers, and they, I just think, man, lighten up a little bit. Don't take yourself so seriously because nobody else is. So just lighten up. Lighten up a little bit. See, with the changes and the tradition and the tra- transition, I hope during that time, you, you will make a tough time in trouble. There are going to be some things to be, that are going to be humorous and things to, to enjoy. So I hope that you will, you will lighten up a little bit. All right, let's do, let's, do a, let's do a little review. I hope you're writing these down. Don't fight the change. It's going to happen with or without you. You don't have to like all the changes or agree with them, but approach it from an intellectual standpoint of view that this is what's best rather than an emotional standpoint of view. Be willing to let go of the past. Respect the past. You have a marvelous past. Respect it and then have a sense of humor. And here's something that you may not have thought about. You need to understand the changes that Harold and his family are going to experience. Maybe you hadn't thought about this. Harold and Jeannie are going to experience radical emotional changes in their life. And they're doing it right now this morning, this morning as they resign. One of the things they're going to have to deal with is grief, grief. I hope that you will give them time to grieve over leaving a church and friends that they love. They are leaving behind people who have loved them and supported them. And I guarantee you, I have been there, and it will grieve them. It will be just like a death. So give them time to grieve. This was probably the greatest problem that I wrestled with when I left First Church. I, it was like a death to me. My transition from First Church took three years it was the toughest three years of my ministry the toughest three years because I was saying goodbye to people every Sunday I would see people and they'd talk to me and I would just cry I turned into a sentimental old slob and uh, it was a tough time because I was leaving people that Joyce and I had loved and done life with for 38 years and it was like a death And quite frankly, I'm not over it yet. But thanks be, Darren, our new pastor, has welcomed us with open arms back into First Church, and that's been wonderful. But you need to be sensitive. Harold and his family will experience grief over the separation of longtime friends. Another thing that they're facing that you need to be aware of is fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Now, Harold and Jeannie are leaving the security of a church who knows them for better or for worse, and they're coming to pastor a church that doesn't know them. And probably one of their greatest fears is, will you accept them? You folks do not, from the pastor's side, you do not know from a pastor's side how frightening it is to commit your life to a congregation of unknown people. Having to fill out those that you can trust and those that you cannot trust. And just learning names. Lord have mercy. Just learning names. Wait till Harold has to go on the north side 
uh, uh, east side of Cincinnati to the hospitals, a Jewish hospital up there off a of Red Bank Road. And go, just wait till he has to go up there. Just wait till he has to go up there. We call those hospitals up there Our Lady of Perpetual Travel because it took so long to get up there. Just knowing where the hospitals are. Now, they're going to have to adjust to a different lifestyle. Now, I don't know much about Lancaster, Kentucky. I was down in that area last week. My children live in Harrodsburg, right next door. But I imagine that the pace of life is just a little faster here in greater Cincinnati. Yeah. If Harold and Judy and Jenny think they're because they're moving to a different town in Kentucky that they will still be in southern Kentucky culture, they're in for a learning curve and the adjustment will be difficult. You know as well as I know, southern Kentucky is not, I mean, northern Kentucky is not southern culture. Oh, we like to think it is. <laughs> but it is not. It is not. And it took us a long time to learn that. We, learned, we moved here from Virginia. We'd been in Virginia seven, eight years. And it was the epitome of southern culture. I mean, southern refined culture. And I'm from the south. Folks, there was not a week that we were not in somebody's home for a meal. Not a week. Not a week went by. And I'm not exaggerating. And when we went, <laughs> there was... China and crystal and silver and elaborate tablecloths and linen napkins and candles and centerpieces. All the, and they weren't putting on the dogs just because I was there. That's the way they lived. That was normal for them. And then we came here. <laughs> no one, no one invited us to their house for a meal. No one. And then when they did, it was plastic plates, <laughs> plastic cups, and plastic, and plastic wear. I didn't have a problem with that at all. Not a problem with that at all. I didn't have to worry about the children breaking anything. I didn't have to worry about that. And you know, when we came here, Joyce and I are both from the South, and then being in Virginia all those years, we experienced food that we had not recognized before. And it took us a while to get used to that. Harold and his family will have to adopt to a total different lifestyle. So be patient with them. Now also, you need to be patient with them as they close down their life in Lancaster and move here permanently. Now, they did find a house yesterday. They bought a house yesterday, so that went quick. They bought a house, and uh, that's, that's good. But during this time, as they close down here and begin here, they're going to be back and forth, back and forth. So don't expect them to be here all the time until they are finally permanently here. All right. I hope that you will be sensitive to the emotional changes that Harold and Jenny are going to go through as well as you. Now let me close it with this. Expect the change in pastors to succeed. Amen? Amen? Expect the changes in pastors to succeed. So expecting success to follow a period of change affects your attitude 
and the attitudes around you. If you have an attitude that you expect this to succeed, people around you will have the same attitude. And during this change, have a high faith factor in God, in the people who lead you, in, in your staff, in, in Harold and Jenny, and in yourself. And when you have faith that you'll handle the changes well, guess what? You will handle the changes well. It's that childlike faith that can make us strong during times of change. Let me do a review, and then we'll wrap it up. All right, if you missed one, this is a good time to catch up. How can we grow in the time of this change? Don't fight the change. It's, there are going to be some changes that happen. You don't have to like all the changes or agree with them. But approach them from an intellectual standpoint rather than an emotional standpoint. And be willing to respect the past. Respect your past, but then move on to the future. And for heaven's sake, lighten up. Lighten up. Have a little sense of humor uh, during this time. And be sensitive. Be real sensitive to the changes that Harold and Jenny and, and then expect the changes to succeed. Respect your storied past, but your fruit now is in the future. And your eyes should be fixed on the future that God has planned for you. Respect your past, what a marvelous past you have. But focus on the future. Because the Harold best error is here. And folks, expect the greatest days of Burlington Baptist are yet to come. Amen? Believe that with all your heart. That the best days of Burlington Baptist Church are yet to come. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the rich heritage of the Burlington Baptist Church. So help them to appreciate it, be thankful for it, and be ready to move on. Father, I ask you to help us to be flexible, but most of all, may each of us have the spirit of Jesus as we look forward to these exciting days ahead. I pray that Harold's ministry will be well received, that he will have joy in his ministry, that he will always feel strong and refreshed in his spirit and soul and body. And Father, I pray that you bless Harold's ministry with spiritual growth, numerical growth, and under his leadership, expand the borders of Burlington Baptist influence for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you a chance to do that. We rejoice. We had uh, two additions to the Burlington Baptist Church family Sunday, the uh, first service, and we rejoice in that. Maybe you need to make the same decision. Maybe you, you need to become a member of the Burlington Baptist Church. You, you've been here long enough. You know what Burlington Baptist Church is all about. So make the decision. 
become a member of Burlington Baptist Church. Be baptized into him if you never have. If you need to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come and make that decision. Come and make that decision. It'll be the best decision you ever made in your life. Jesus Christ has died to forgive you of your sins, past, present, and future, and I hope in heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. So come and accept what Jesus did for you. If you want to pray, you're welcome to pray at this altar. If you want to do communion, come and serve yourself as we invite you to make your decision. Let's stand and sing.